for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it all right welcome everybody this is the reality czars podcast and we're your hosts nate and tony hello uh we've got an awesome guest on today uh magnus i'm going to butcher your last name panvidia no you actually got it right Okay, awesome. That's rare. That's rare. I'm really excited to talk to you, man. Um, I myself consider myself a panarchist in a lot of ways and like a bottom unity guy because I kind of feel the only way we'll ever defeat the fucking state is if we all work together and realize that we all have more in common with each other than we do with the ruling class and that we are going to have to work together to topple, kill, or whatever. I mean, in Minecraft, whatever it'll take to uh, <laughs> to win our fucking freedom. So um, I'm fascinated. Uh, I know that you are a mutualist, which is also a fascinating uh, school of anarchy. And I think in a lot of ways you guys are voluntarists as well, right? You just yeah. – we disagree economically in certain ways and maybe and maybe not. So I mean, those uh, yeah, are I mean, interesting topics that we can have. Yeah, with a uh, with with mutualism, it's not even really economically because mutualism still explicitly free market. There's no like collectivist market or anything like that. It's the, just the, when it comes to like what like property norms and different yeah, things, right? Yeah. So the, uh, mutualism promotes uh, Ursprux, which is how I think you pronounce it, to where uh, obviously like handcaps and stuff are are Lockean property rights, and they're not very different, but they're kind of different. And even then. Um, in mutualism, it's more of a moralistic thing and less of a structural thing. Uh, e- even if you go back to like Proudhon, who's the art author that kind of created anarchism, created the word libertarianism, and, and you know, it represents the school of mutualism. He was very explicit that he didn't ever want to ban concepts like rent and stuff like that. He just believed that in an anarchist society, stuff like that would would slowly kind of dissolve away yeah see i I think a lot of libertarians they hear anything that like because i know a lot of mutualists do consider themselves socialists uh i don't know if you do or don't yourself but i i I talk to a few online and they they do use that word and anytime you hear that word like for the most part most libertarians they they get their fucking hackles up and they go what you know and they don't and like they are closed down they're not willing to have that conversation and um, and I'm not. I'm one of those weirdos. I mean, that's how I found Libertarian to begin with, because I was myself. I was a leftist, and um, I and I was willing to have these type of conversations, and that's how I was able to change my mind. And that's yeah, how I like found a, Libertarianism. So, like, I don't I don't ride with um the because technically mutualism is would be considered Libertarian socialism, but I don't ride with that word because it's a word that functionally means nothing anymore. Like. Joe, Joe Biden, uh, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and Che Guevara are all considered socialists. And it's like, wow, so that word doesn't mean anything. Like, no, you know? it's, a, it's a very <laughs> loaded thing, man. And I, I've got a buddy that's an anarcho-communist. Or, I mean, he says he's an ancom. Uh, he's my really good buddy, but like he he is a little bit too much of a Marxist-Leninist to be really a fucking income. Oh, no. Uh, but, like, he won't, he won't, like, let you get away with calling yourself a socialist. He's like, if you use the word socialist, you're just a confused communist. 
Um, yeah. So, and, and maybe he's right. And that's, and that's and, the other, like, like the lefty wars are, are crazy between like the, the multiple versions of communism and the difference between communism and socialism and the difference between socialism and libertarian socialism. Like, it, it's funny talking to right-wingers who don't run in these circles and don't understand like how po- point, both pointlessly complex it all is, but also how just like toxic and shit everything is to where... There is no concept of the unified left at all, no matter how much there Tucker really is or someone man. tries to tell you there is. Yeah, you guys are all ready to slit each other's throats, which is funny. And I mean, and then it's also funny to see like the right wingers. Well, I mean, I think about also the people that just try to uh, narrow it down and just like throw you guys all in one fucking basket. I, I, it always makes me think of like when Mises was sitting there having a conversation with like. Uh, who the fuck was it? He was, like, having a conversation with Murray Rothbard. He was having a conversation with Ayn Rand. He was having a conversation with, uh, uh, who was the guy with the Coke bottle glasses? Milton Friedman and, like, all those guys. And he gets up and storms out and says, you're all a bunch of socialists. Because, yeah. like, they... <laughs> but, I mean, yes and no. And I think that where we all have to really, like, do better and draw the line is what is voluntary and what isn't. Right. Because that's the real fucking line. Like, right. And, and, to, and to me, like, like the most important thing is, is um, I'm just so uninterested in theory because all all these are whether it's libertarianism, conservatism, like the Democrats, I, like everyone's pushing for this abstract utopia a hundred years down the line where everything's going to be great. And it's like, cool, we can have conversations about that, but I don't feel like debating theory because I want to talk about action because right now. Like, we have an out-of-control federal government. We have an out-of-control global government that's doing horrifying shit. And we're just, like, rapidly flying towards a collapse. And I'm like, hey, you know, maybe we should put the, put the house, you know, the houses on fire. Maybe we should just stop arguing and throw some buckets of water on it. And people come up and they're like, no, what are you, what, are you, what color are the drapes going to be after we put the fire out? And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like, people, can <laughs> yeah, we talk yeah, this this man. They need yeah. to get us arguing over this pointless theoretical shit at some level, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's really part of what, like, exactly what you're saying, Tony. They fucking, they divide us and they fucking get us arguing with each other. And, I mean, that is what the ruling class has always been great at, is, like, fucking dividing us. And getting us to fight over whatever it is. Race, religion, fucking uh, social class, whatever it is. And it's like, I mean, that's why I really like um, the class theory of agorism, where he just really differentiates. He's like, look, yeah, there's rich people, there's poor people, but what's the real difference? He goes, there's the state and its cronies, the people that participate and work with the state and everyone else. There's the parasites and there's the producers, you know what I mean? Or the people just trying to survive, you know? And I think that is the real, real fucking class, you know, the real fucking class theory. It's like, I have still, I have more in common, even if I'm a poor person with someone that has money, than one of these elite fucking rulers that are like telling other people what to do and how to live. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> I, I I agree fully that I'm, I'm I, you know I very heavily disagree with like the kind of Marxist version of class theory where if you have money or own business or whatever you're evil and if you don't you're good. It is truly that thing of of those who have power and those that don't. And you know you can even go into it a little bit with kind of like you know if you want to talk about agorism and everything like that, you have these people. And it, actually, you know, I'll be even more specific. Uh, 
people pretend that Cointelpro was something that happened in like the 60s and 70s and the CIA was like, oh, you caught us. And then they just stopped doing that shit. <laughs> so we're like, no, like the, the federal government has innumerable agents and undercover people and feds and spooks and everything in every organization. The LP is probably overloaded with feds. Oh, the, DS- sure. the, the DSA <laughs> has a shit ton of feds in it. The Republican Party has a bunch of feds in it. Every single militia has feds in it. The Antifa, BLM, Black Panthers, they all have feds in it. And literally, like the number one tactic that was broken down in the Pro leaks was the fact that they would get people and either bribe them, threaten them, or implant them into these organizations, and they wouldn't do the usual... Well, sometimes they would, but usually they, they, they wouldn't do the Fed tactic of like trying to get them to do something radical so they'd arrest them. No, they would just start talking shit and causing problems. I think the most inf- yeah. infamous one was, uh, was uh, the Black Panther Party. I think they're like their second lieutenant or something like that was a federal asset. And all, the, all they had this guy do was write letters to other like black power organizations and talk mad shit. That's all the, that's all the feds paid this guy to do was write letters and cause drama. And yeah. it's like, hmm, you know, I totally don't see anyone in modern day politics, you know, on Twitter doing shit like that all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah with social media, that shit can go off the rail so much faster. Exactly. <laughs> like 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 it like when um I, I can't remember. It was like uh it was like maybe a month ago where the infrastructure bill got announced. And all of a sudden, like a bunch of people were really adamant on starting an argument about religion on Liberty Twitter. And like the whole time sitting there like that was a fed that's a fed thing to do, you know, <laughs> like oh there's something important y'all need to focus on quick. Let's let's cause drama and infighting over a pointless subject. <laughs> I mean, okay, zoom out on a bigger fucking scale. That's what that's the way I see COVID. It's yeah. they're distracting us with COVID. COVID's just a fucking flu and they're they're extracting all this power and they're pushing tyranny through this fucking lens. But what are they doing behind the scenes? You know what I mean? And like in the way that they're trying to push this new infrastructure bill where it's like this one's only 1.5 trillion. But the but the progressives are trying to push a four point five trillion one, and so now we're just gonna have to swallow. Now now the fucking the sane ones in the room are like, okay, only a one point five trillion one, right? You know, where it's that was, like, that was a, that's what the Republicans did with the red flag laws. They're like, well, the 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 Democrats were trying to push for dishonorable discharge for anyone in the military that didn't get vaccines. So it was either that or we get red flag laws. And it's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> like, Plus, we got to get our sweet Iron Dome funding for Israel. So right, and and, and <laughs> as as Matt Gates said, the the most uh, American first version of the NDA. <laughs> I think it was the exact quote from Matt Gates. It was like, no, you fucking snakes. Oh, but yeah, dude. exactly. They, they, it's the carrot and the stick thing, kind of in a way. Where like they, it just lesser to evil yourself forever. And I do 100% believe COVID is a distraction, not only so they can gain power, but also just like whether it be the infrastructure bill, whether it be the fact that we we pulled off a coup in, uh, in Guinea and nobody talked about it. Still nobody's talked about it. We there's, pulled there's... off a fucking coup in <laughs> – we pulled off coups left and right. Tell me about the one in Guinea. Yeah, I'm so so with that one. So essentially the military just spontaneously ro- rose up and – Kill, uh, he, he, I think I don't remember if they killed him or if he's in exile, but essentially, you know, outed the president of Guinea 
And people are like, whoa, that's crazy. But then two days later, a video came out of a bunch of U.S. Special Forces operatives in a car driving through a crowd, and they're just ch- chanting USA, USA. <laughs> and nobody fucking talked about that. I mean, at least at least when we we assassinated the you know the president of Haiti, there was like some people talking about it, but like. Yeah. I saw nothing besides a couple tweets about the fact that we overthrew another African country because everything's about COVID or the culture war. That's the only two things people fucking care about. It's fucked, man. I mean, I mean, that's what they did in Tanzania. I've got a friend in Tanzania now. We fuck. We definitely smoked that dude. Uh, that's we tried to fucking kill the guy in Madagascar. We killed the guy in Ghana. We killed the dude in Haiti. Uh, you can see what they're trying to do in Belarus. With that and yeah, now, now, they're, now they're starting to talk about Ethiopia a yeah. lot. Ethiopia's coming up a lot. And that's the crazy thing about the the, ha- the Haitian thing is, um, I think it was like two days ago, it came out that one of the people involved in the hit was a fucking, was it a, was a DHS agent? It was some form of an agent. Well, there was a fuck ton of them from South America, right? And like, yeah. it, it was shown that like a shit ton of them all had CIA training. Like, all of those fucking guys were, like, CIA-trained, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, it was spontaneous. It was just some guys, uh, you know, it was probably... Right, they're, 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 all, they're, all col- they're all Colombian, like, federally trained. I mean, there was a couple Oops. Americans that were involved, but, like, let's not talk about that. And Yeah, maybe all these guys were American-trained, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah he, okay, so yeah, uh, uh, c- confirmed. Uh, Haitian involved in the in the Mosey assassination was a DEA agent. <laughs> so yeah, like we literally we, we whack we whack the dude, and like nobody cares, no consequences, nobody's pissed. And then like you get the you get the conservative side of it. Well, where that's they're, the whole they're, thing, dude. It's like COVID is distracting us so much. We don't know what's going to happen from day to day, and they keep telling us this and that, and they keep they keep us fucking distracted over here. It's a puppet show, man. They're, they're like yeah. we're over here looking at this puppet, and they're doing all this shit behind the fucking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And yeah, like and like I said, I was about to say uh, you. Then you have the conservative side of it of like, oh, why is there like fifty million Haitians at the southern border? This is so weird. And it's like it's almost like we whacked their fucking president. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, should we draw a line between these two things at all? And now a bunch of warlords control their fucking country. Well, was were they whipping those Haitians? You know, and like sure. they they fucking distract us with this, and it's like really, it's like. Man, I, I'm I'm sick of like calling out the Democrats for their like hypocritical bullshit, but like sometimes it needs to be pointed out. They they don't care though. I mean that that's honestly like because when I was a fucking leftist, when I was whatever the fuck I was, like inconsistencies bothered me, and mm-hmm. that's what would that, obviously that's why I am who I am. That's what dro- that's what eventually drove me out of the left and put me more in anarchy land was was everybody you know riding uh, Barack Obama's dick while yeah. I was sitting there while I was sitting trying to get all my lefty anti war friends to to get pissed about Libya and they're like well it's different now because there's a D in front of the name well, so, actually mm-hmm. yeah and I'm like fuck you like are we anti war or are we not. And I've I've been having a field day. Uh, I'm, I'm probably blocked by like half of DSA Twitter at this point of just running around and pointing out to all of them that in their world, by their standards, Thomas Massey is to the left of AOC because he because <laughs> he didn't vote to fund the Iron Dome. That's they get so they get so fucking mad. That's fucking <laughs> that's fucking beautiful. Thomas Massey is a better leftist than AOC, which that's is a which fucking, like. 
unironically like true if i mean if like obviously not not in not in post-trump world where the left is like a whole fucking mutated weird thing but like you want to go back to like for this that's the quote for this fucking podcast (laughs) mutated left yeah if if you go back to the occupy days then yeah by those scales massey would probably be called like a communist or something by george bush or some shit you know as he should be, Ben, because he's actually—I mean, he's not—he's not perfect, but he's embracing—he's endorsing freedom more than any other motherfucker there. So that's closer to anarchy than any fucking leftist. Yeah, he's—he's he, he's pretty much the the only politician in all of government right now that's worth fucking looking at. Because like, I, I have this whole meme where I'm, I'm like, all politicians need to be deported to the moon. Thomas Massey is the sole exception. He gets a pat on the back, said you tried, and then politely told the fuck off. Yeah, I mean, we'll still put him in a corner with a dunce cap on, but we'll let him stay on the planet, so. He doesn't go to the moon. I mean, it sucks, because I used to be such a fucking Rand Paul stand. Like, oh my god. <laughs> like six, talk, talk about a fall from grace, bro. Yeah, it's it's fucking sad. I fucking Literally, I, like, true true story, uh, when I saw uh, Ron Paul live in Florida at that conference I went to, I, I straight up, the moment he walked on stage, I turned to my friend, and I'm like, if there's a and a section, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk up there and ask if he's disappointed in his son. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> uh, I love Ron, dude. I, I still got love in my heart for Ron Paul's so much i i think that's the biggest thing is like i don't know if you if you're familiar with all the fakeitarian types yeah uh, they, they, try, they try to do the whole the ron paul papers i'm like come on shit, man bro. like is there something better we could do is there something more constructive than attacking ron paul and like when he fucking had a stroke they were like celebrating and masturbating and shit i'm like you know what fuck all of you you What's can't like, see the you? better like you can't see the benefits of having ron paul like None of you fucks would even exist without Ron Paul. Like there there brought, wouldn't be a right wing or libertarian anti war movement of any degree of serious Ron, Ron Paul. Period. So regardless of anything, like you have to respect that. And on top, and like on top of that, if you're going to be a person that's like a total kill your heroes type person, I can I can agree with that. If you're doing something productive, if you're stepping up, you know, because like my favorite phrase is lead, follow, or get the fuck out of the way. And yeah. I never see anyone who shits on Ron Paul being like, you know, huge movers and shakers and important people. No, they're, they're people that sit on the internet and cry out and tweet. No, so yeah. Shut up. They're just <laughs> fucking like sad weirdos with cat ears on that are shitting on Ron Paul and and everything, any good that he's ever fucking done. And for what? Like, and they're not doing anything. They're just, they're just more dividing. They're more divisive. And I'm like, like, I don't Which know. Which basically, yeah, like tough. I said, and, and, and like, whether whether they are feds or they're just doing the feds' job for free and they should should hit them up for a paycheck. Well, see, that's the whole the thing. I'm like, <laughs> God damn, if you're not getting paid right now, like, it sucks for you. Like, you should be, because you really are doing the goddamn feds' job for them. Yeah, it's just pointless division. I, I, like, it's, it's hilarious that the fake-acarian types struggle to get along with someone like Dave Smith, yet I can, like, run around with, like, a bunch of communists and shit and, like, get work done, and it's no problem. So it's like, what the fuck is your issue? See, to me, that that's also a differentiating line. It's, like, people that are willing to have a conversation or not. It's, like, I'll, I'm willing to talk to willing to fucking talk to anybody like my best fucking friend is an anarcho-communist slash probably marxist leninist he thinks he's an anarcho-communist but um 
like embarrassed I'm liberal fucking, is what I'm going with. Yeah, I'm willing to have <laughs> any of these fucking conversations with anybody. I'm I'm talking to like I don't necessarily want to, but I'll have a talk with a fucking white supremacist, I guess. You know, I'll have a talk with you know I like we just have to have these conversations. Like, I, I mean, in a nutshell. In a fucking in a world where we're gonna have like a uh, a real panarchist type of like decentralized, everyone's seceding, everyone's getting their own little plot of land to live the way they want to live, we're gonna have to realize that there are gonna be some weird white people that want to live by themselves and do their own fucking white people bullshit. Yeah, some crazy Japanese people, some fucking racist uh-huh. ass Chinese people. It is what it is. I mean, I, I there's going to be black supremacists. There's going to be Mexican supremacists. There's going to be white supremacists, and that's an ugly thought. And like, but we're still. Do we want to have war with them, or do we want to be like, okay, you guys can be over there and eat mayonnaise and like watch? I don't know what the fuck. You know, whatever you guys want to fucking do, that's right. fine. But like, can we still have like peaceful trade and right. communication? Especially like, when, like, you know, in the day and age we're living in, the most effective anti-racist activist of our time is Daryl Davis. And these motherfuckers hate yeah. Daryl Davis with a passion. They call him every fucking kind of slur and whatever. But you can't top him. The man's a legend. He he has more... Do they hate Daryl Davis? Oh, fuck yeah, they hate Daryl Davis, dude. Because he's willing him. to talk to people, huh? Like, Yeah, cause it, and, and he's effective, and they don't like it, because it, it shows that their tactics are bullshit in that... Tony, do you know who Daryl Davis is? Yeah, he's a black dude who talks to um, KKK members. Yeah. And convert, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, to me, he, that's he's me got like a hundred people. Yeah, he's got like a hundred people to leave the KKK by just like being a chill ass dude and talking to people like they're human beings. It's like, whoa, crazy concept. Dude, frankly, to me, like, that, he's doing God's work. To yeah. me, like, that is the most powerful fucking thing. It's just to, like, humanize and like well yourself and your perceived group you know like i don't know what daryl davis considers himself but you know what i mean like that's the whole fucked up thing is that like those type of people put you in a box you're a black man and i'm a beaner you know what i mean or like whatever the fuck i am um but it's like it, it to me he's doing god's fucking work dude like i can't think of a more noble thing it's like i mean i can't think of a more noble thing but i mean god damn is he doing some effective wonderful fucking things by like taking dude, think about a white supremacist man i i'm trying to humanize them right now they're probably a sad lonely fucking weirdo that is afraid of a black person i don't know why maybe their penis is small they're like i or what you know whatever it is maybe some girl they liked uh like started dating a black dude i don't i mean whatever it is or maybe they just lived in a fucking area where they were secluded and they never actually met a black person and That's maybe a lot of it. you know i mean there's there's a lot of just like whatever whatever fucking reason that is and they're a sad lonely fucking pathetic person and you are like what do those people need they need fucking love they need fucking acceptance and so i mean a lot of those people are just sad weirdos and they're getting it from from dark fucked up weirdos you know what i mean a lot of dude i mean think about a lot of those fringe groups a lot of them are just fucking odd oddballs looking to fit in and like a lot of those people aren't in like philosophically like i hate black people because they're black you know what i mean they're just like i'm part of a group now well, yeah, that's, I mean? that's, the, that's, the, that's the main thing, too, and that's what I, I know, why I, I very much reject the idea of um, pure social ostracism, 
in terms of just like totally excised from the fucking community. You can't get a job. You can't get a bank, anything like I'm currently at where I can't get a job or yeah. anything like that. There needs because, to be room for redemption. Well, yeah, because, because yeah. when you have a lot of people get into that because they find a sense of community and they find people who will talk to them and work with them or whatever, usually take advantage of them. When you look at a lot of like the actual shitty extreme groups, take advantage of broken, crazy, demented people. And it's because that's the only place they're getting it from. Yeah. To where, so it's like, what the fuck do you expect to do? Like, if you look at uh, the one genuine Whit- Whitmer kidnapper, you know, out of out of the twelve, <laughs> the twelve feds. God but, damn, that sucks. The yeah, one the poor one. asshole. <laughs> right. His, his story is insane. To where he lost his job due, due to COVID. He was waiting on a stimulus check. He was waiting on unemployment. He got kicked out of his apartment, and he was living in a basement room underneath a fucking mechanics garage, dude. And it's like, yeah, that's somebody who would try to kidnap a governor. <laughs> that yeah, that checks mean, yeah. out. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> I mean, frankly, dude, like, I'm surprised there's not more of those. Because, like, and I think they're trying to make more of those. Because, like, I see the way the, the the state is trying to divide us and trying to, they're trying to, It's a, and that's the other reason why I get nervous with the whole Boog idea. And we'll have that conversation in a minute. Because it's like, how much of this is them trying to make us rise up and try to make a violent, you know, whatever it is, because it's like, I, I like, I've had conversations with a lot of people that are like young, white, autistic males, not really getting any pussy, don't have a girlfriend, don't have a lot going on, but they have a job and they're working hard and they're smart. And then if COVID comes, they fucking lose their job. They lose their house. They lose, you know, whatever the fuck is going to happen. Like you're going to have these angry young fucking males with too much testosterone and not enough like you know what i mean you're gonna get these fucking nuts man they, well, that's the gonna... thing is like you're, you're pretty much describing last year with the george floyd thing because really like a lot of what happened like like blm and floyd and everything were catalysts for a lot of it but a lot of the destruction and chaos that happened had nothing to do with fucking george floyd had nothing to do with blm it was pissed off angry fucking scared people and they look outside their front door in a giant wad of fucking you know i I explained this to my dad one time it was perfect i'm like dad just imagine that you know you're you're you know in your 20s back in the 80s and everything like that and you know they you can't go to a baseball game you can't go to a club you can't go to a bar you can't go to a restaurant you know, all the parks are closed and you're sitting in your living room watching TV bored as fuck and a giant crowd of people goes marching around outside. What are you going to do? You're probably going to go out and see what the fuck's going on. And then someone lights something on fire. And then you're like, oh, I haven't got a paycheck in a while. I'm going to go in that Target. I'm going to get me some shit. Like, yeah, I'm mad. I'm mad. Yeah. And these people, <laughs> hey, those people are just, they just got some new Nikes from the Nike store. Right. You know, yeah, or, like, and at the same time, all these people are being celebrated as being noble and doing something great. So I'm actually going to get celebrated and patted on the fucking back. And if I do something wrong, there's a bunch of people that are going to bail me out because I'm fighting oppression right now. I'm being yeah. a fucking hero by getting and out and of that's, here. And that's, <laughs> the thing, that's, like, that's why it's so hard to explain like the BLM situation to people because that part that part of it is, is 100% true to where, like, yes, the, the cops let riots happen, the media covered for them and everything like that. But that's one reality. The other reality that happened at the same time is anybody who was actually doing something genuine was was actual like organic activism that might have actually accomplished something that was serious that wasn't on the dime or wasn't pushing 
unknowing or willingly some democratic agenda yeah those people got snatched those people got put in fucking jail like if you look up um if you look up people like daniel baker in tallahassee florida he was an anti-fascist activist or lauren reed in arizona these people got like five years in prison over facebook posts over uh, lauren reed got five years for painting rocks with a cab on it that's all he did he took rocks and he painted a cab on them they gave him five years in prison so it's like Okay, why why is it that like people in Portland can like beat up people in the streets and burn buildings and shit and they get off, but this kid got put in jail for five years for painting rocks? And then it's you start wild, lo- you start you start looking into like the different groups and the different factions and who's a DNC simp and who's like actual radical and everything, and then you start going, oh, I see what's actually going on here. Yeah, it's, like they, it's fucked, man. It, it they, really they, got their, they got their pa- they got their pack of, of you know starved dogs that they've unleashed on society. But if one actually like gets out of the lane they want it, they shoot it. Essentially, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, and if there's like an actual like groundswell, like from the bottom up, like uh, you know, people that want to fucking that actually like true believers. That's the enemy because these people aren't supposed to believe what they you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, and it, and it happens on the right too. We're like. You gotta com- you gotta compare and contrast. Like uh, you had the the three New York Proud Boys that got sent to, to prison over fist fighting Antifa one time, and it's like okay, so the government hates the Proud Boys. But then you look up in Portland and you have Tiny who runs all the Proud Boys up there. This guy's on felony probation and he's on video every single day with his face exposed, running around getting into fist fights, people and everything. The feds don't grab him. The cops don't arrest him. He, he's literally just being at a protest. He's violating his parole, his uh, his probation, just being huh. on a protest. Yeah, he doesn't get arrested. So it's like, hmm, you know, like that's that's I, I you know I always get into arguments with people over, particularly right wingers, over my like very vocal support of BLM, and uh, it's it's because of stuff like that. I'm like, no, there's more complicated weird shit going on that if you don't go to these areas if you don't talk to locals if you don't actually know the different organizations and factions within all of this you you would never understand this shit but if you talk to somebody like ford fisher the guy who runs news to share that's always at all these protests filming and everything he's like yeah he you know he knows he sees this shit all the time and he talks about it as well of like no this is way more factional there's way more weird things going on but the media just you know the left Democrat media is like, oh, you know, this is an organic, 100% grassroots, you know, peaceful protests and everything. And then the Republicans are like, it's all Antifa, George Soros, commies attempting to destroy the country. It's like, They're all it's terrorists. Compli- yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's a lot more fucking complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it's a lot more complicated than that. They're like the folks that all had umbrellas. They're all the folks that you see, the people that all have the same fucking really nice boots on. AutoZone yeah, guy, <laughs> Auto AutoZone's guy, the Hell's Angel yeah. dude that showed up in all black and broke the window of the AutoZone, kicked yep. off the fucking Minneapolis riots. Yep. ended up ended up being proven to be on the fucking dime of the police. Yep. And then I had I had a personal experience with that in Detroit, to where uh, we went, we were requested to do security for essentially a tribunal of the DPD, which was it was. You know, essentially a presentation. They had they brought a bunch of speakers that talked about all the awful things that the DPD did to them, whatever. It was a big BLM protest. Uh, Iron Coffin and um, Highwaymen bikers showed up about 50 deep and mar- walked into this p- protest and squared off with me and, and the other boobs that were there with our rifles, exchanged some words, whatever. One of them pulled a fucking gun on me, and then they left. 
the weird part of that story is that there was only three DPD officers downtown working that protest at all. There's more than three DPD officers downtown on a Tuesday fucking afternoon. So then I'm like, hmm, I started to wonder what's going on. And I call out the bikers of like, what the fuck? Why did you show up here to beat up a bunch of BLM activists? And they're like, dude, the Detroit Police Department requested us to be there. And it's like, oh, some weird shit's going on. And that's what I mean. Like, and the and news never awake, talked man. about that. Yeah, and probably <laughs> the, the Fed dude was the one that pulled a gun on you, and they were waiting for you guys to shoot him. You know what right. I mean? And start and I, a fucking I, I, I didn't, because the way he, I mean, I'm not, there's no video, so I have to describe it. He pulled it out. He was sitting down in a little, like, pop-out camping chair that he brought. And he was, it was an older guy. He pulled it out of his waistband, kind of stuck it sideways out, and then put it in his lap. Yeah. So, like, I would if I if I, you know, didn't have some self restraint there, I would be in all of my rights to light that dude the fuck up. But I didn't because, like, I'm supposed to be doing security. I'm not here to get into a gunfight over nothing. Like, if the dude's not like pointing it at me straight up, then. We're just gonna try to de-escalate the situation, but yeah, you're you're almost right. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was just trying to rile some shit up. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, fucking hey, dude. So, where are you, man? What? I mean, you don't have to give it. Like, you don't have to give us your home location. What, what state are you in? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Michigander. Michigan, okay. Which is like the most, still the most radical state in the country, no matter what people tell you. We have like so many anarchists and the Michigan militia here, and like all sorts of like. That's we, fascinating, man. I don't really handle, know too much about Michigan. Oh yeah, I mean, um, uh, not a, I wouldn't say I know him, kind of like through uh, you know, uh, acquaintance of a friend of a friend. But there was a guy that was arrested for driving a tank across the Mackinac Bridge, a homemade tank. He was a Michigan militia dude a couple years back. But, Get to know him. Help him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's build but, some uh, more tanks. But it's, it's funny though because like everybody was like, "What do we do about COVID? What do we do about COVID?" It's funny because Michigan solved our COVID problem like really quick. Because the way it happened is that we went to lockdown, and then about a month later, Whitmer banned buying seeds. She banned hunting licenses. She banned boating and fishing. You couldn't get your boat filled up at the gas station. So a bunch of rednecks from the northern part of the state, the more rural, you know, middle of nowhere part of the state where I grew up went to the state capitol with guns and a fuck ton of them. Like, literally, I think, like, 10,000 people. And they went into the capitol building, and they were screaming at, at representatives and stuff, saying that if they don't change this, they're going to be tarred and feathered and shit. Now, see, a week later, fascinating about that is, do you know that something very similar happened in Idaho? That a bunch of fucking rednecks, they were like, fuck this shit. They showed up in thousands with guns, stormed the fucking capitol, pointed it at people and said... You change this shit immediately. Now, what's fascinating is I haven't heard that about about Michigan. You're oh, not going to hear that about Idaho, but you're going to hear all of that shit about what happened in D.C. Because that shit was fucking Fed run, and that shit was actual groundswell. Like, the revolution will not be televised. You know what You want to know an interesting detail that's going to start piecing you together. So... Uh, 
to finish that story, though, literally two weeks after we did that, they reduced, they uh, lifted all lockdown restrictions on the northern half of the state, and only ah! the southern part of the, part of the state was locked down. Because <laughs> so right the southern guys were just going to puss out, put on well, their mask and shut up. <laughs> it's because the south is where, like, Ann Arbor, where University of yeah. Michigan is, and Detroit, and Lansing, the capital. But the north is all rednecks and shit. But yeah, that's, that's how that happened. But, important detail. The Wolverine Watchmen originally... Uh, were at that event and went into the building with like my fellow boogs and a bunch of other people that were there and random people. And a certain FBI director started working their case right then. Immediately after the watchman had been arrested, that FBI agent was moved from the Detroit field office office to the Washington DC field office. Mm. Just one month before January 6th. Hmm. Hmm. That's <laughs> fascinating. Something to think about. I'm kind of curious. You say that there's a lot of anarchists and militias and militia in that Michigan, and I get that feeling too. And do you know anything about the history of that? Like, how did that form? Um, I, I think like I, you know, I, I'm not super familiar with the history, but it, it goes so far back to where even like you can find stories in like the 70s and 80s of, of Michigan just being a really big hotspot for militias. And on, on the other side of, like, why there's so many anarchists here is mostly because of Detroit. Because uh, Detroit has more abandoned buildings than occupied ones. And what happened was, like, these anarchist communes just popped up and just took over these abandoned, you know, acres and acres of lands in Detroit and built communes. Is that and still the case? Yes. Um, um, it's, it's, it's kind of diminished recently with uh, Detroit bouncing back. But for, like, ten years then, um, the one I always went to, it's right on a set uh, right on Woodward and Golden Gate was called Fireweed, and they worked with uh, Dr. Bob from Normal, the marijuana decriminalization, and they were just openly growing weed out there. They were taking over abandoned buildings. The cops would try to kick them out. They'd tell them to fuck off. So, like, that's where you get, like, so that you have these right-wing militias and these, like, hardcore, like, actually living, like, anarchists, not just, you know, LARPing Twitter college liberals, but actual, like, anarchists doing anarchist shit in Detroit. So it's always kind of been crazy here so to me that is the most fascinating thing like let's let's think about that like why i can't get on board with like some of the right-wing libertarians or whatever whatever the fuck that is whatever that that feeling is it's like dude if there's i mean here's the thing is that i think that most right-wing libertarians don't actually they haven't done enough research they haven't read enough rothbard even where you'd say like if there's a fucking abandoned building here, if, like, there's more abandoned buildings than, like, occupied ones, there should be zero fucking reason that we can't homestead it. Let's take over this fucking area here. Like, we need to fucking protect, we need to we need to fucking endorse this whole movement. Let's take back this fucking property. Like, who the who's the rightful owner, right? I mean, like... Right. And, like... And that, that's, that's, like, the whole, that's the whole mutualism thing of the... Of, uh, the idea of mutualist property rights of, of essentially like if this if this piece of land is not being used for anything then like i don't care what what 20 year old certificate you have for this abandoned falling down fucking pole barn that you haven't done anything with like put people in that for the love of god you yeah know? well and, and here's the thing is that like most little right-wing libertarians like they don't even understand that like probably murray rothbard was cool with that too well, yeah, that's the funny you know thing. I mean? is, uh, it's like you need famous, to read more Rothbard. <laughs> yeah, there's a, Rothbard gained a bunch of stuff from Proudhon. Uh, Rothbard even advocates for mutualist kind of idea of property rights, but he just pushes the timetable back to where I think he, 
Rothbard's like 15 years of abandoned property and he becomes eligible for homestead or something like that was what he said to where Prudhon is like, okay, like if this shit's unoccupied for like a year, give, you know, give me it, you know, it's a little more extreme, but even yeah. Rothbard just, you know, pushed the scale back further. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's fair. And maybe there should be some sort of line, maybe five years, but if right. you know, whatever, whatever the fuck it is, but yeah, I mean, if you're not going to do anything with this property, you're literally just owning it to do nothing with it. Like I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking of fucking Bill Gates owning 200,000 fucking acres of farmland. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the biggest farmland owner in the fucking, in, in the United States, literally owns over 200,000 acres, if not more than that, whatever the fuck the number was like, what the fuck is Bill Gates doing with that? Right. And, and like, I mean, I, I've seen, seen him. Fuck you. See when we're on, <laughs> I'm taking see when we're on the topic, I, I just love talking about Detroit because we're so interesting. We do so many weird things. There's also like a lot of anarchist action that have happened here that's super interesting from the, both the right wing and the left wing side. Uh, on the right on the right wing side, we have the largest private police force of any American city in Detroit, where I think almost like 42% of our security forces are private. They drive around in big black Humvees with white lights. They essentially do everything the police do, but not, you know, shoot people or beat up people for possessing fucking drugs or anything. That's so it's like, that's, yeah, that's like the libertarian, that. that's like the libertarian thing. And then on the left wing side, um, <clears throat> there was a beautiful thing that happened three years ago to where uh, gang violence had kind of gotten its worst for a while and totally spontaneously in, in the, in the black community and everything, they stopped, they started having paintball wars and then the gang stopped shooting each other. And literally they were doing like drive by still, but they do it with paintball guns instead of real guns. And the, the murder rate just fucking plummeted in Detroit. Well, because I mean, all, these dudes, me, all these dudes were, dudes, dudes were just running fun. around. I'll join right. a gang if all we're doing is, like, <laughs> if we're just fucking shooting each other with paintballs. Right. Like, and, and, like, and obviously, like, the city got pissed. And there's a little bit of justified of, like, like, random people's windows were getting busted out and stuff like that. But instead of being like, hey, there's this organic, grassroots, totally spontaneous kind of anarchist thing going on. Let's take some of these abandoned buildings and, and make a paintball course or like, let's do anything like that. No. Instead, they banned paintball guns in the state of Detroit, well, in the city limits of Detroit, Detroit. They banned any selling of air, of paintballs, of equipment or anything in any store in Detroit and then arrested anybody who was shooting each other with paintball guns on the street. Like, and then the murder rate comes back. <laughs> yep, and the murder yeah. rate fucking went right back up. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's so fucked. I mean, that's how you beat a police state. I mean, how else do you do it? Right? They want us fucking shooting each other. That's the problem. Like, I, I look at all these fucking laws that they, they want us divided. They want us shooting each other. They want us, like, I mean, if you start fucking shooting each other with paintball guns instead of real guns, then like, then it almost becomes a strategy. Then it almost becomes a game. Then it almost becomes fun. And maybe we'll actually like if 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 like what's on the line is it my life? Maybe we'll actually sit down in, in a room and have a conversation with each other. Yeah, there, and there's there's you know? awesome there's awesome Vice documentary about it to where they even go into the, one of the local clubs and, and they're they're interviewing this one guy and he's like, yeah, that dude's sitting over there. Like, uh, I, I shot up his house like a year ago, but we're cool now. We just play paintball. <laughs> it's like son of a bitch, dude. <laughs> like, holy shit. We just play paintball now. <laughs> and you you see you see other like other people doing that with like uh boxing or shit like that uh, the same thing happened in detroit i think this one was more recently like last year to where uh they they shut down a bunch of illegal boxing rings 
And essentially all they were doing was being like, okay, instead of shooting each other in the street, come in the ring, beat the shit out of each other, go home. Well, you think <laughs> it would almost be like a gladiatorial thing, maybe. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you get your big guy, we'll get our big guy, and we'll fight yeah. it out. You know that's what I literally, mean? That's literally what happened. And once again, DPD shut it down and shut down all the illegal boxing rings and everything. It's like, you fucking bastards. Yeah. The city, the city is trying to save itself, and the government and the police are doing everything to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> It's fucked, man. Uh, it's so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love that. I mean, because I've read uh, books like Monster. Like, I don't know if you know who Tookie Williams is. He was, like, yeah. one of the original Crips and, like, one of the big guys in there. And, like, I, I read one of those books and he was talking about, like, in the origins of these, of how this shit started. It was, like, it was turf wars. It was, like, drug wars, right? Like, and, like, again, that's something that could have been mitigated through, like, non-fucking abolition of fucking drugs. But, like, so you're seeing these guys, but they used to settle it over fistfights. They used to get, like, they used to just, like, punch it out. You know what I mean? And like, okay, like, is this going to be my my fucking corner where we sell crack or your corner? And they'd punch it, you know, they would punch it out, whatever it was. And then the introduction of guns and then the introduction of just like of when it went serious and when people took it too far and they started killing each other. And I wouldn't be surprised for a hot fucking second if that was the feds getting involved. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking feds, the police, informants, everything like that. I mean... People, people on the left criticize me really hard when when they're like, you know, Magnus, you can't just say that every single you know right wing terrorist is an FBI agent. And I'm like, I'll stop saying that the moment that every single one of them isn't fucking proven to be. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me, bro? Um, I forget. I think it, was, it wasn't David Duke. It was another guy. Um, infamously with Anonymous, he was one of like the largest like r- white supremacist radio talk show hosts. And he decided to pick a fight with 4chan one day. That usually goes well. So they ha- they ordered like a million pizzas to his house, whatever, and harassed him. But then they decided to hack his computer and found out he was a confidential FBI informant. So there you go. The, the largest white supremacist radio host in America back in the early 2000s, F-Fed. Fucking, you know, the the guys who ran, um, what the fuck is that organization called? Uh, uh, not, not Stormfront, um... Whatever, whatever the fucking white supremacist militia got exposed as a federal agent. Uh, you know, uh, the leader of the Oath Keepers is currently, a fe- you know, in protected custody by the FBI as an informant. The you know, Enrique Tario, prolific FBI informant. Like, what the fuck is going on? The Boogaloo Boys, fucking uh, our our astroturfed leader up until like a year ago, uh, Mister Mike Dunn confidential FBI informant. Like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. And maybe that's – it's the problem and you also need it. It's like the problem with like a hierarchy or a structure, you know, in like an organization that way. It's like because you're going to get fucking feds involved and then – but I mean at the same time you also need to be organized and you need to work together. So, I mean it's – the fucking feds, man. Always the fucking feds. That's what it is. <laughs> so, so, you, you, so you did want to bring up the Boogaloo stuff, so. Oh, we can talk about the Boogaloo stuff for sure. Um, no, I, all I was saying is that I think a lot of times, like, I and maybe those are the feds that I'm talking about. Because, like, dude, to me, the loudest person in the room, the one that's talking about, like, like the Gretchen Whitmer shit. Like, mm-hmm. that guy that's talking about violence. Like, my fucking spidey sense like, always has. I'm like, that guy's the fed. Because, you know, like, we're, we're parts of, like, groups out here of this, like what we call like free thinkers or like, just like there's like cool groups of just like crunchy hippies and like anarchists and just like people that believe in like freedom and autonomy out here. Uh, Cause we're out here in Portland or I, 
Tony was I, I out was, here. I yeah, Tony is in Rhode Island now. But um, uh, but like there's groups out here, and it's like you can spot the Fed. You know what I mean? Because the Fed mm-hmm. is going to be the one that's going to be talking about. Okay, well, we got to do something about that. All right, well, I'm really pissed, and like, you know, I, yeah. Or it's the or like you said, it's the quiet one talking shit and sowing division. It's like, and, and so to me, it's like I almost see a lot of the boog stuff is like the problem reaction solution, where they're they're doing this, they're trying to create the problem, and they're trying to get these young men angry enough to go and strike out violently right because i mean let's talk about what the fuck is the boog like, I, like to me the boog is was right are these they they're the guys that say like no more right we're, we're yeah. the guys that are saying like we're not one more step like from my cold dead hands like in a lot of ways they're like the oath keepers but they mean it right or right yeah, but, yeah. so, so that, that was kind of that was kind of the whole thing is there, there's like two very distinct kind of Factions isn't the right words, but flavor of of Boog, essentially, to where you have the dudes that are just hardcore prepper motherfuckers that are out there with their 10 homies in the woods preparing for the end of the world. Yes. And then you have the activists like me and like others. And we're two very we all love each other. We talk to each other every day, but we're two very distinct groups in that way to where the activist side has always been like based around the idea of like this this unity message and like getting everybody together and just you know civil disobedience essentially but with firearms like like i'm going to do this i have no intention to hurt you i'm not going to burn anything down or shoot anybody or anything like that i'm going to do this and i'm going to have a gun and then you're going to have to make that calculation of whether you getting me to stop doing this is worth dealing with me with a firearm and then you then then you have all the Fed extremists that are like, well, let's go shoot cops and burn buildings and everything and you know that shit. But they usually you know, always get exposed as fucking feds. Well, see, so. that's, <laughs> that would be my biggest problem. And so I'm I'm glad to have this conversation with you because for the most part, I get worried about those folks. And that's like my whole like because you know I have a couple friends of mine that like I know I know a guy that lives in a van and he's armed to the tits and he's just like and he's a cool cat, but like like when he gets like. A lot of this turns into like violent right wing larping, you know. Yeah. Like, and and I'm just like, I don't like. To me, it's like sometimes the memes are funny, but I'm like, are you serious? Because like, if you really mean that, like, I don't want to be around you. Because like, like, what are you gonna do? Like, you're gonna get into an armed gunfight tonight? Like, I've got a family. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, and that's and that's 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 a that's a very important thing too of uh, something that uh, Trashman and the uh, Trashman used to run. Uh, page called big uh, big igloo boys on facebook which was the largest boob group had like thirty six thousand fucking people in it before it was deleted and he would constantly be like this is not glorious this is not fun like like and, and you know definitely on the activism side like we have our, our prepper people like preparing but on the activism side the whole point of the activism even is that like we're not prepared for this shit we need to get moving we're not politically prepared for this we're not culturally prepared for this we're not emotionally prepared for this if some idiot kicked off fucking revolutionary war two right now this moment it would it at best it would just fail spectacularly and the government would remain in power at worst it would be the 
biggest clusterfuck bloodbath you'd ever seen in your goddamn life. Yeah. So that's kind of like the whole point of like the Unity Coalition and the, and the Boog message and everything is going to all these different groups. Some people focus more on the right. I, mean, I myself focus more on the left. And being like, yo, dude, we need to start like talking to each other and working together because the hammer's coming down. Like we need to figure this shit out right now because as much as people are afraid of, you know, individual lone wolf and group accelerationists, the government is fucking accelerationist. The government is trying to burn the shit down and get their money and bail as fast as they possibly can. You know, so it's like, okay, we're, you know, I, I always use the analogy of like, we should have been, we should have been doing civil disobedience like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so like, we're way behind. We're, we're not anywhere near like, you know, mass agorism, uh, mass civil disobedience, or definitely not armed resistance to shit. It like, you know the american population like the right wing's not wrong like if if the government went after the gun owners or if the gun owners rose up or whatever then the government would be fucked but it wouldn't be pretty it wouldn't, it wouldn't be pretty, be pretty. No. it wouldn't be pretty at all and that's the point of like okay even if you are a person that thinks like the only way to solve this is that like uprising or whatever you have a lot of prep work to do before you can even entertain that as a possibility. And that prep work involves the activism and the getting your community together and, and working with people and getting people on this shit. Cause you cannot go from where we are now to like storming federal buildings and shit. Cause look what happened. Even, even if January 6th wasn't a fed op, if it was hundred percent legit, do you feel like that accomplished fucking anything besides fucking us all even more? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's like, like, because I could, I personally sat back and kind of laughed. I was like, I'm watching all these fucking right wing Trumpers running up oh, against cops. I'm like, it's fascists fighting fascists, and I'm just giggling on the sidelines. I keep, I keep, I keep calling it. I kept calling it uh, Honky Kong when they were called climbing up the walls. <laughs> Y'all kinda right there, and I was, dude. I was digging it. And, yeah, but I mean, it, I mean. They weren't wrong. Maybe they were fighting for the wrong reasons, but they were genuinely angry and they were, they, I mean, that's the whole thing is like, I think like we, me and Tony just actually were having a fucking conversation before this about post anarchism. And I think a lot of it, a post anarchism or post libertarianism rather is more about like realizing that the nap might be in a lot of ways holding us back and, or the nap in a lot of ways is like, the state has violated the NAP so many times in so many different ways that in any way that we fight back or resist right now is justified. Now, yeah, that's 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 where we're at, and definitely like that's why I'm not I'm not an ANCAP and I'm not a libertarian or whatever, and, and I definitely embrace like the egoism Sterner kind of thing of like I I don't even recognize that as a thing, especially now, practically and morally, to where it, it's like. Uh, with the, with the vaccine mandates kind of thing, they're like, well, if the local grocery store that's the only place you can get food decides you can't come unless you get a jab, it's their private property, and you're just going to have to respect that because Manap. And then I'm sitting over here in, in fucking Sterner Land, being like, I'm going to steal your your silverware out of your house if you try to do that to me. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. I don't give a shit. Like, and that is the thing is is you know I, I go to the Nap people and I'm like, okay, there there is two distinct paths forward that we can do right now 
the first one is like what I advocate, which is the mass civil disobedience. And that's going to fuck up the nap. You can't do that and follow the nap because you're going to have to go into these grocery stores and park your cars in front of the, you know, chain yourself to the doors and, and, yes. and get thrown out of restaurants and like, like do some civil rights shit. You want to keep calling it the second civil rights movements. You're going to have to do some civil rights shit. You're going to have to get some dogs and hoses suck on you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Rosa Parks was violating the non-aggression principle. That was a yes. private fucking bus company. Guess what she did? Fuck you, I'm not complying. Yeah. So you can Fuck do that. Fuck you, I'm not complying. <laughs> so, you, so, you, so you can do that, or you can do the agorist route. But I think the, the right wing have really, really fucked up what agorism is actually supposed yeah. to be. Like, you, you owning Bitcoin and not paying taxes is not agorism. Like you, like agorism is built around building parallel societies, building parallel economies, building parallel economics, my dude. So like, like, like that's why I like um. Even though I have really big disagreements, and I kind of think the dude's a bit of an asshole, I really like what Jeremy Kaufman is doing with the Free State Project. Of like, okay. You want to do some agorism? All you move out to the middle of fucking nowhere, New Hampshire, and and just you know refuse to participate in the government. You need to start building communities. You need to start getting together. You need to you need to as a group, not as a bunch of individuals, but as a group. You need to res- well, obviously, you know, individuals making a collective to be specific. So to but, me, I find like yeah. me and Tony had, had had this conversation, and again, I'm sorry, listeners, they fucking heard me bring this up. I don't know how many times now, but like, have you, are you familiar with Wild Wild Country? It's a documentary on Netflix. It's oh, uh, is that is that is that where the 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 Indian dude built uh-huh. like a cult out in the yeah, dude, yeah. I, I, I love it, dude. I'm like, I'm yeah. watching this guy. He's like, I mean, obviously he was kooky and had like his religion involved. So like, if we could have it less culty, that'd be great. But like, can't could like. A thousand libertarians that were all like, we're all mutually, we all have this idea, we're all going to do this. Could we move to a small community and vote ourselves into fucking office? Like, you're going to be the mayor, I'm going to be the sheriff, you're going to be the postmaster, you're going to be the city council, like, and then we turn this area as close as we can to Encampistan. You know what I mean? Like, I think that we need to start playing those fucking games. And I, and I honestly think that we came across post libertarianism on our own, because that's what me and Tony were talking about. And then, um, I heard Matt Erickson on, uh, on Pete Quinona's show. And from, I mean, since then I've had both of them on to talk to him about it. And, uh, I, I think they're fucking on to, I, I don't necessarily think, and I don't think that they even claim to have all the answers, you know what I mean? But they have some fantastic critiques of, and caps in general and libertarians in general, as far as like, dude, if you are so caught up in like private property, bro, you're fucking worthless. Like if we yeah, can't... the government, the government, the government, like analyze that critical flaw in constitutionalist belief that yes, the government can't do these things. So we'll get the private businesses to do it and we'll give them money and we'll give them support and preferential shit. So like that went out the fucking window. Like if you, if you wanted to die on Ancapistan Hill, you, you, the last time to do that was the fucking Occupy Wall Street bail, bailouts. That was your moment. That was the moment you should have shut this country down and been like, nope. Because after that, the, the ship has sailed. Okay, We entered too big to fail. We entered fucking bailouts and everything. Like, like that's gone. And, and yeah, like if, if you want to do you know stuff like Pete and Jeremy Kaufman and say, then like you also need to start taking it more seriously. I did a whole video about this where – Okay, you think this is a serious threat and you think we need to do agorism or whatever. Okay, so first off, if you have the means, you need to move to a liberty place, all of you, 
And if you and, and then if you still have the means, you need to start, you know, take, you know, you know, skip, skip going to a music festival one month, skip, you know, buying your expensive fucking version of alcohol that you drink and get something cheap for a month. Start pooling money and, and get people that want to come that are broke or just lost their job during COVID or whatever and have a have a fun together to you know, pay a down payment on an apartment, have a bunch of liberty minded kind of like employers and be like, okay, well, we just paid your down payment on the apartment to get you to move to New Hampshire. Here's a job and start doing this because this is what the left does. This is what black Panthers do this. And it works. This and is the most red time too. right now. There are so many young people that are just like, you know what? I wasn't, I might've taken that jab until you told me I had to, you know what I mean? And I, and you're not going to let me live. So fuck you. And you know, this is a fucking time right now that like, we need to strike when the iron's hot. There's so, like people have fucking radicalized since 2020. Like, People are fucking more radical now than they ever have been. I mean, there's the majority of people are more normie and more caught up in this fucking weird bullshit and this mainstream, like, okay, daddy, I'll take any shot you take, any fucking booster. Okay, whatever, I'll wear a mask, I'll do whatever. But, like, the opposite is true, too. There's, like, a strong fucking contingent of these young fucking people that are being radicalized right now, and we need to fucking right. scoop them up. Yeah, that's that's the thing, too, and that's why I don't I don't like... Like I go really hard against the the podcaster bros and people like Dave Smith and like Tim Pool and everything of like from, from Occupy to now, all of that had a really good purpose because a lot of people were woke up through that stuff. They were whatever, but we have hit the point where we're not playing hungry, hungry hippos with the population anymore. It's become really clear who's down for all this shit and who isn't, and you're it's increasingly unlikely by the day that you're going to change any more people's mind. So having podcast episode 339 where you talk about the nap and how the government is bad and everything, is it, the, the diminishing returns have kicked in, especially with YouTube censorship and algorithms and fucking all that, everything. So now it's time to start weaponizing those audiences. Now it's time to start helping people. Now it's time to you know, start building this stuff. Because like the, the clown dimension in the people that live within it have gone further and further off the rails. There's an increasing like conspiracy theory going on right now that I've been battling over the last three days that all the riots in Minneapolis were started by me and my friends and people legitimately believe this. And it's like, okay, I'm, I can sit here and quote Rothbard to this person and I can sit here and quote Prudhon and I can quote, you know, Emma Goldman and all the anarchist thinkers about the danger of government and the dangers of the media and everything. I am never going to get through that person. And that's why I, I really like embody um, Michael Malice and by extension Sterner, because I know this is where Michael Malice gets it from of like, OK, well, I, have, I don't feel like convincing you. I don't want to debate my ideology anymore. I'm not having these discussions. I'm going to take my people and we're going to go figure our shit out. And you can either leave us alone or you can do something about it. You know, I even though I'm the biggest gun advocate in the world, I'm an ex- I am a firearms extremist. I think you've every armed the homeless unironically, hand out fucking AR-15s to homeless people. That's where I'm at. I don't debate gun control with anybody ever. If they try to start a gun control debate, I just say I have them. I won't give them up. I don't care what you say. Do something about it. And that's the energy we need to be on. Like I'm yeah. sick of I'm sick of the debates. I'm sick of the circle jerk podcast and everything. It, it is time for action. And you can and if you don't want violence, if you don't want chaos and badness and bloodshed and everything, then you especially need to get moving because the worse shit gets, the more the one legit Whitmer kidnapper dude whose entire life was fucked up 
you're going to create more of those. And those people are going to snap. And those are going to be the people that Timothy McVeigh into a fucking building and kill a bunch of innocent people. So if you, if you want to stop that, then you're going to have to sacrifice some things. You're probably going to have to get arrested. You're going to have to get some tickets for trespassing. You're going to have to chain yourself to some doors. You're going to have to get tear gassed by the cops. Or you're going to have to go out and build a fucking community in the middle of nowhere. If you're well, not doing either of those things, it's like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I think, <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing is that, like, the only way we're actually going to get through this is – I mean, my, it, this is just the thought that's coming to my head is, like, uh, is mass – civil disobedience peaceful civil disobedience because for one second if we start and even then i don't know because like i'm looking at australia right now like we were talking about this before we started recording i'm like i'm looking at australia they're hitting grannies over the fucking head with like with batons and shit and shooting them with fucking like shooting with like beanbag guns and stuff and beating the shit out of like like women and children i'm like jesus fucking christ if this isn't a red pill if you don't like regular americans right now i'm talking to you whether i mean regular people aren't going to listen to my fucking podcast but (laughs) regular people listen you stupid fuck you keep saying it won't happen here Look at Australia right now. You're going to see, like, a 60-year-old fucking woman holding up a sign just saying, like, my body, my choice. Something, you know, innate like that that you like and agree with. She's going to get hit in the fucking head with a baton for just standing there. And that's what's going on with all the riot bills that are passing in all the red states that nobody fucking cares about, that we didn't pass until after the riots had already died down and became irrelevant. And the fact that the military is coming home. If you look at the UK and Australia that have interstate, so you essentially leave one region, go to another region, you have to show that you're vaccinated or that you're not allowed to leave your state, essentially. It is the military enforcing that. Well, and we just, had to pull our troops out of Afghanistan, right? We had to pull our troops. Like, maybe that's a big thing. We're pulling our guys out right now because we're bringing them home. And more more so than that, we're separating the wheat from the chaff as far as, like, who are the obedient ones? Who are going to be the ones that listen to us no matter what? Take this fucking experimental jab. Either that or you're fired. And so then we're just going to get the ones that said, okay, daddy, and they got the fucking shot. You know what I mean? And then they're going to be the ones that that are already proven their obedience to the fucking state. And then they're going to be the ones that, like, uh, are going to be the ones that go to enforce this. And they're going to be the ones that go door to door to either, what, put a fucking needle in my arm or shoot me in the head or, what, weld my fucking door? Or, like, what what are they going to do? And, and, to, and to your point, like, oh, it can never happen here. Like, it, it's already happening here. Like, a, a lot of people don't remember. There's a lot of revisionist history over the last year. But at the very beginning of the George Floyd protests, it was, like, way more chill than it got towards the end. Before Kenosha, before everything happened. And you had tons of videos you can look up of riot cops just fucking up peaceful protesters the exact same way that they're fucking up the Australians now. And then, just like the Australians are now, people said, fuck you, and started rioting. So you already had that happen last year, and now you have bills coming that are making it, to, like it's like the Florida bill I always bring up, where you can get a you can get RICO Act uh, put on you for attending a protest that turned violent, even if you yourself did nothing violent, you could get a uh, third-degree felony, well, sorry, first-degree felony. So it's like, oh, that's great. And then, you know, we look at the military thing, um, they're, what New York, I think, is the state. It might be a different state where they're firing half their nurses and bringing in the National Guard. And then Mas- Massachusetts, <laughs> they're doing Massachusetts, that in Oregon. 
Yeah, and then in Massachusetts, they're they're so hard up for school bus drivers that they have uniformed National Guard driving the fucking school buses, bro. Yeah. So it's like, do you not see what's going on? Do you not understand what the fuck is happening? Like, oh, it's, it's time to go, bro. It's time to leave the podcast studio and get in the fucking streets, man. Like, you, could you imagine, like, how many people, if, 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 if Dave Smith, uh, Tim Pool, who would be another, another, like, big... Joe Rogan and, like, maybe, like, one other, like, big person said, like, hey, we're going to be in, um, I'll just New Hampshire just because they'll stay in my brain, not even if they have crazy vaccine. We're going to be in New Hampshire and we're going to put on a giant anti-mandate protest. You know how many people would show up just to see those dudes, you know? Yeah. And that, that brought yeah. up the idea of, like, oh, you're not a protest kind of person? Okay, Dave Smith, um, I'm doing a show in New York, If you and there's a, a anti-mandate protest going on the day before. If you come in and show my guy a picture of you at that protest, I'll buy you a free beer. You know, like, it's time to start being creative, bro. It's time to start getting your fucking audiences out there doing shit. I don't want to talk anymore. I don't want to tweet anymore. I don't want to do any more fucking podcasts about this shit. Like, I'm, I'm a functionally unemployed dude who lives in a 500-square-foot apartment with a broken-down fucking car, and I'm traveling all over the country raising hell in D.C. and Louisville and Florida and fucking Ohio. If I can do that, Everybody else needs to get fucking moving, man. You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I love it, man. Awesome. Yeah, I mean that is really awesome. And like, I can give my caveats. Like, well, literally, my wife is in the other room right now, and we're probably she's probably going into labor tonight. Uh, so, I mean, I have maybe my own excuses or reasons why I'm not in the streets protesting. But I, I, there is no reason that I shouldn't sometimes like there was a Listen, big, man, like, that's it. And not, not everybody's yeah. a protest person, but you start being creative. Like I said, it was like, the I also thing, don't like, have to attack it. I can also help, you know, give, give it a, cause I mean, that's the other shitty thing is like a lot of those guys will like tell you not to go to the protest or tell you to, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's it's we need to have a unity message. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm on. I mean, I got I got fucking Code Pink, the Green Party, the People's Party, the LP, and a bunch of anarchists to show up in the same place and have a fucking protest. And there wasn't a single argument or a fight. So like, let's go, people. That's <laughs> what I'm on. Like, I'm 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 not spectacular. I'm not any degree. I'm not particularly smart. I don't have a college degree. I'm not well like skilled in any fucking vocation or anything like that. I'm poor as fuck. And I can do this. So these people that are skilled, that are wealthy, that have resources, connections, and everything like that, it's like, get moving. Otherwise, I can't take you seriously anymore. You know, if, 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 the, if the so-called, you know, not self-appointed, but organic kind of leaders in the broad liberty message, all the way from someone more milk toast like Tim Pool, all the way down to, like, radical fucking people like Adam Kokesh and shit, if all of these people are not stepping up right now, then it's like, hmm, so when when are you going to step up? And you, you, again, you don't even have to, they don't even have to show up. They just have to incentivize it. I, I, I even brought it up, like, like, I'm so desperate that I would consider it a win if everybody just reached out to one local organizer from their community that was putting on an event, brought them on their show for a 15-minute segment. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's doing that. Yeah. Nobody's fucking doing that. Nobody's, you know, why? Why isn't the the people that put on like a five thousand person uh, anti mandate protest in New York? Why isn't that dude who organized that on fucking Dave Smith's show, on Pete's show, on fucking, you know, like why? Why haven't you reached out to that dude? You know, so it's like, come on, let's keep well, fucking going, bro. <laughs> maybe you're putting that idea out into the ether. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Yeah. 
that's I mean, that, and maybe they haven't even thought about that, but that's that's fucking true, man. They, we need to be giving those people a platform. We need to be talking to those folks. Maybe maybe I'm smarter than I think, but it, but if really yeah. like I'm the first person to think of that, that that depresses me more than it makes me. Fucking, <laughs> like I'm like really, dude. This my fucking dumbass sitting here painting Dungeons and Dragons miniatures in, in my fucking you know crack house that I live in. That I'm the one <laughs> Come on. I think people get stuck in their own patterns, and sometimes it's hard to see something outside of that. So right, but I, but I think that's really good energy you're bringing into it. Yeah. Hey, gents, I got a I got a heart out here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna say we're coming up on an hour. So yeah. Uh, right. Do you, Do you want to give me some uh, You want to give me some plugs where people can reach you, people can talk to you, or get some ideas? And... Yeah. So uh, so uh, I'm Panvidia Magnus, just my name backwards on uh, Twitter because my first account got banned, and then um, I'm also Magnus Panvidia on YouTube, Odyssey's. Uh, and all that, I run a podcast called Unity or Death, where I essentially just bring a bunch of leftists and conservatives and anarchists and shit on my show and, and force like them to yeah. force them to do nothing but agree with each other for an hour. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. I love my show. It brings me such joy. And uh, that's on that's on Spotify. That's on Castbox. That's on Google. So you can find that everywhere. And then, um, in terms of like events and shit, uh, we have a we're going to Kalamazoo to where they're having the Wolverine Watchmen trial, and we're going to stand outside the courthouse with a bunch of signs of all the people that the FBI is entrapped, and essentially have a abolish the FBI protest. So that's going to be cool. And then a week after that is uh, the year anniversary of the Unity Coalition. Uh, the first time me and an anti-fascist person sat down in a, in a park and, and had a conversation and had this crazy idea to bring the left and right together and yeah that's kind of what i got going on there um i was going to have an anti-mandate protest but then gretchen whitmer of all people banned them in my state so i guess i won without doing anything weird (laughs) but yeah that's everything i got going on i love it man that's awesome well magnus thank you so much for coming on and we'll have to have you back on this was a lot of fun have to have, have to have y'all on my show or some shit at some point. I do another yeah. big another big Unity console. Get a bunch of people to sit together and talk. It'll be fun. Hell yeah, man! I I love these kind of conversations. I love having conversations with leftists. I love having conversations with conservatives too. And like, yeah, it, this is all about unity, man. Panarchy, my oh. friend. Panarchy, brother. Let's go. Yeah, right. appreciate it, man. All right, thanks a lot. If, 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 if your baby pops out, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, man. It really could be tonight. So, all right, I'll catch y'all later. All right, later.